you know, living a life completely surrendered to the Lord is the most exciting way to live. Here's a gospel worker that we're just going to call Bob. If you do get to the point where you're willing to offer up everything and put it all on the altar and God have your will and, and, and I will go whatever you want me to do, um, put your helmet on, <laughs> strap in because he will take you. Bob says God's kingdom needs more people with that kind of surrender to be ready to move into certain parts of the world that are currently closed to the gospel. God is working in many hearts and it's just a matter of time until government restrictions fall. If the doors ever go open, we better not be standing outside. We as Christians better be ready to rush in. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We have some special guests today, and as often happens on VOM Radio, we're just going to refer to them by first names. We have Bob and Casey. They are American Christians living happily in America, retired from their work, and are now serving overseas, reaching out to a Muslim people group in Central Asia. We're not going to talk a lot of specifics about where they are or exactly what their ministry looks like because it's a place where it's somewhat dangerous and they could be kicked out. So we're not gonna go into a lot of detail, but I do wanna hear from them how God moved them from people just like me, living in America, doing a job, to people serving overseas. So Bob and Casey, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, it's a, it's a privilege to be here and, and to share. We hope to be able to share something that can speak to people in America, especially at, at our age bracket and our stage of life. So we're glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about your life in America. You're going to church, you're American Christians, you have a job, not a, not a ministry job, a job. And how did that come to a close and you feel like God was saying, hey, this is a new chapter. I want you to do some new stuff. I was a 30-year employee at an airline, a major airline in America. We began to feel what we, we refer to as a holy discontent. We were becoming in our second half of life, and we had dreams for retirement. We had ideas of how we wanted to spend retirement and what we wanted to do, and we were active in our church. I've always been a lay teacher in church. My wife has been involved in other mission outreach and activities within the church and leadership there, actually. And we just began to be unhappy with our plans for the future. And God began to work with that. And, and he told us, you know, one day I, I looked at my wife and I said, I think God wants us to offer it all up. And by that, he meant retirement, our motorcycle. We had a gold wing and we were traveling on our gold wing and we loved that. And, and just everything that the American dream entails, we felt like God said, put it on the altar. And so we just tried to be obedient. Okay, God, yeah, right, whatever. We offer it all up, you know. And over a period of some years, I mean, it didn't happen overnight, God began to strengthen that and he began to strengthen our desire for teaching the Bible in what we call inductive, where we, we teach the Bible verse by verse, 
inductively to understand what it says, not what we wish it said. And we began to see a need for that in parts of the world where they were very broad but very shallow. Casey, what, what did you think when your husband comes along and says, we need to offer everything and, and you have a fairly comfortable American life. What did that mean to you? We need to offer everything. Mm-hmm. You know, when that first came to me, it made me a little nervous because I wasn't quite 100% sure where he was going with that. But on the other hand, I have had some involvement with missions work. I knew about unreached people groups. I knew there were people in the world who had not even heard the gospel. And I had to ask myself, is Jesus worth it? I mean, there's people who don't know him. And here we are sitting in America with churches on every corner, television stations, books, every resource at our disposal. And we kind of don't think about parts of the world that have nothing. Not even heard his name. Yeah, not even heard his name. So I was willing. And um, I remember my first missions trip. When I was a teenager, I went on some mission trips. And I remember the person saying, you may not be willing to go, but are you willing to be willing? And I thought, yeah, I'm willing to be willing. And so again, I was willing to be willing to give it all up. So what were the steps between I'm willing to be willing, God, we're willing to do whatever you ask us to do, and packing up and moving to Central Asia? (laughs) Because that's a big step. Yeah, well, and we had all kinds of conditions for God, you know. (laughs) By the time we decided, okay, you know, we'll do this, we said, okay, God, but we're not raising money. And, you know, that's a story of how God worked me through that into where now that's part of the ministry. We love to infect other people with our disease. So (laughs) so, so now I enjoy raising money, not because I want to see money come in, but because I want to share the vision and the passion and what God is doing, and he gets the glory and all that. So I've done a complete turnaround on that, and I love it. It's very dangerous when we tell God what we'll never do, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, and we also, you know, we really went through a process deciding on where to go and what to do. And we didn't want, I mean, we knew kind of what we wanted to do. And I wanted to go somewhere different than she wanted to go. And we're, oh, I'm sensing this and I'm sensing that. We really had to hear from God. And we, we went through a process, a couple of years of praying and seeking God and listening and getting teaching and training from others to decide where, where God was going to have us. And we finally felt like we got that. And boy, that makes all the difference because now you can go all in when you have God's heart and God's will. So was a part of that process doing some short-term things in different places to say, God, is this, is this where you want us? Is this, or, or how did you kind of narrow it down from maybe it's here, maybe it's there. Oh, now we know where God's calling us. I had done some mission work earlier before I had met my husband and I had the privilege of working with a certain people group that I had come to really love and that actually we talked about that and prayed about it and thought really that could be a people group we could serve but the question was where because there were other certain places you could serve this people group and so yes we did take a couple what we call vision trips and God was amazing he just he opened the doors and he still continues to do that we we comment that our jaws are constantly dropped because he is, he's doing it. It's not around, us. Our mouth hanging open at the time going. <laughs> can, can you give me a couple of examples of, of times where God has just done something and you're just like, wow. 
uh, where we were in our host country for maybe nine months and had not made a contact with the people group we're trying we're trying to and we're praying about that and you know you question lord why are you here what are you doing did we miss you all these things and then you know out of the blue one time you walk up to somebody and you begin talking to them and that begins the beginning. I mean, it's totally a, it was totally a divine appointment. You know, you do all the things you're supposed to be doing and you do them right and you do them prayerfully and then you have to wait on God. And it's not always our best, <laughs> our best thing to do is wanting to wait. Yeah, especially I think as Americans, we're not good waiters. <laughs> that, that, that is not a part of our plan is, hey, nine months, especially when you're in a new culture, in a new place, that's a long time to feel like, okay, when are we going to actually start doing what we're supposed to be doing? Well, what's going on? And like God normally does, he had reasons for all that. There were things we went through in that nine months that we realized had these opportunities come back then, we would have messed them up. So We were still in a learning a, process. It's, a, it's amazing how smart God is about these things. <laughs> he, he is smart and he is good. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to people like you in in that sort of second half or in the tail end of a career that that are maybe going through a transition hey we're thinking about retirement we could go play golf we could hang out with the grandkids or maybe god is leading us somewhere else how would you kind of advise them to think about that and pray about that as they go through that time of life prayer is going to be the most important thing and Assume if you are, do begin to experience what we call the holy discontent, um, I would say assume that's from the Lord and assume that he's trying to get your attention and start asking him, um, what are you trying to say, God? What do you, what, you know, and, and he will take you step by step, but um, be prepared because he will take you step by step. And, and um, if you do get to the point where you're willing to offer up everything and put it all on the altar and God have your will and, and, and I will go whatever you want me to do, put your helmet on, <laughs> strap in, because we were seven years in the process from the time we began to sense this and actually set foot on the ground of our host country. So um, it didn't happen overnight, but looking back, it was a wonderful journey. So. I'd also just like to add that we're not really anybody special. We're just simple, normal people and not terribly gifted in anything too big. But we have a big God. And, you know, as if we're listening to what he has for our lives, sometimes he takes us out of our comfort zone. And it feels a little weird at first, but then you see just the miraculous things he can do with our simple little lives. And it's him doing it. It's not us. So that fear can go away. You don't have to think I have to be this big preacher evangelist. He is the one who does it. It's not us. It's him. And it could look differently for everybody. Maybe some people are called to go overseas full time. Some people might be called to go on periodic uh, short-term trips to maybe encourage missionaries or to do other ministry type of things, service ministries. It can look differently for everybody, but we are so privileged in America. We, we really need to think about not just giving our money, which is needed, but can I give of myself, my time, my life? And there's joy in that. People often ask us, how did you give up this and give up that? And and we have given up things. We have grandchildren that we don't see very often and children that we don't see as much as we'd like. But, but we say, well, we, we didn't give anything up. This is a joy. The joy we get 
doing what we do is, you know, when Jesus said, don't worry if you've given up family, mother, father, brother, sister, I will give you that a hundredfold. He was telling the truth there because we have family in, in countries now that I couldn't spell. <laughs> and um, we feel as close to them as, as anyone we know. So. This is Todd Nettleton, and you're listening to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're talking today with Bob and Casey. They are spending their retirement years serving a Muslim people group in Central Asia. You've talked about not giving up anything, but I'm sure there's been some hard days. What, what has been the hardest part of this transition or the hardest part of this new chapter? That's a difficult question. There are so many blessings, but there are things that we've given up. I think we have a sense of loneliness sometimes. You're away from your culture, your language, your food. There are things you give up, but again, he's he's worth it. Christ is worth it, and, and having other people come to him is so worth it. I would say the biggest disappointment since we've been there is we had a, one disciple who was very promising and really embraced the Lord and the ministry, and we just thought this kid was really going to grow and be something amazing. And um, little by little by little, he kind of went away. And one day he just walked away after, what, two years of investment in him. And that was heartbreaking. Yeah. There were, you know, I, I actually was saying, you know, Lord, if this is what this is all about, I, I can go do this back in America. You know, I can go and have disappointments there. But, but it was shortly thereafter that he brought us other people, and now they have grown and done remarkably so i think you know you hit on that there in every form of ministry there's disappointment there's days that are hard what have been some of the best days where you just are like i can't even believe that god lets us do this i think finding out that those people who've come to christ and who have been discipled turn around and they start sharing their faith they start discipling others they start getting groups where they're teaching and back inside their country. And when you see that starting to happen, I don't know, it's just amazing. Again, it's not us. It's, it's God who's doing it. Yeah, disciples making disciples is one of the best feelings you'll ever have. So I love the worship, too. We, we, have, a, we have a home church, and we worship in our home church and we have music and we have a little projector that puts it on the wall and it's in two different languages and sometimes we sing in English and sometimes we sing in the other language and it's just awesome. The tears just flow and the Holy Spirit comes down and who'd have ever thought you'd be worshiping with these people, you know? Really awesome. I, I just sense the joy that you have in this work, that, that there is so much joy that God has given you in this. And, and I want to repeat what you said earlier. You guys are lay people in your church. It's, it's, you didn't have to go to seminary to get ready for this. This is just, hey, God, we want to be used. Where can we go? What do you think the American church maybe needs to learn that you've learned in living in Central Asia, working among Muslim people, and even just relying on God on a really day-to-day, hour-by-hour basis? Are there some lessons that, that you feel like you can bring back to the American church and say, hey, you guys, you need to hear this? The biggest thing we share, and we, and we do come home and share it once in a while, is that um, security isn't God. And, there, and we're at risk a little bit out there, and we, and we try to mitigate that. We're not, we're not stupid, and, and um, we take stewardship of our own security very, very seriously, but we recognize there's risks, and we're going to take more risks. 
but if you worship security, both financial security and, and physical security, it's going to be difficult for you. But part of that offering it all up is to trust God um, for your physical security in this life. We say we trust him for our eternity, but can I trust him for the next six months that I'm in, in this country? And, and I say I can. That's the biggest thing we try to, try to share with people is... Um, there's a cost involved, and it's not always financial. Sometimes it's mental, emotional, and it all boils down to, yeah, can God be trusted? And we're proving through experience that he can be trusted. Casey, anything from you? Well, I am, hardships come in life, whether you live in America or you live in any other country. And really, the Bible does not promise us a better life here on this earth. In fact, if that's what you're expecting, then you really need to get into the Word a little bit more because it does say trials and tribulations will come. Persecutions will come if we're followers of Christ. So whether we have it back home in our normal daily life or if we choose to serve Him overseas and have it, it's, it's expected. What I've learned and what I tell our disciples is, hard times come and God is sovereign and God is good and we can trust him no matter where we are. And I'd like to say we've learned how hungry people are in the world for the gospel. We think we're going to go and it's just going to be this, you know, this battle, you know, this battle to get the gospel and people are hungry, you know, and they they have come up to us and said, oh, we love you. Tell people in America that we love them. And we will share with them that there are people in America praying for them and, and remembering them in prayer and that we're here for them. And they just start weeping. People love us. People, wow. they, they can't quite wrap their minds around it. So it's, it's awesome to see how God is at work. A lot of open hearts and a lot of people who need hope. They need the hope of Jesus. And we have that answer. We can easily give it to them. Did you have some folks on this side of the ocean when you came up with this plan? We're, we're going to move to Central Asia. We're going to spend our retirement years in Central Asia. Did you have some folks that said, I don't think that's a good idea? <laughs> Not only that, but they always say, we have needs right yeah, here need at Jesus home. Jesus right here. We actually were very fortunate to have our small group at our church very supportive. When we shared with them, they were like, okay, we're on board with you. We'll wow. pray for you. We'll support you. Um, our families, not so much. <laughs> Bob and Casey, thank you so much for sharing. And I want to encourage our listeners, particularly those in kind of the second half of life, what might God be saying to you through this little conversation? What door might he be nudging you towards and if you feel that sense of holy dissatisfaction and holy uh, wonder what God has I want you to think about Bob and Casey in Central Asia and the work that they're doing and how God moved them into that before we leave though I, I want to ask you guys first how can we pray for you and for the ministry that you have uh, but also for the Muslim people group that you're working among, because we always want to equip our listeners to pray. So, Casey, let me ask you, how can we pray for you guys? And then, Bob, I'll ask you, how can we pray for the people group that you work among? Mm -hmm. Well, we really appreciate prayer, and we don't um, consider it a light thing. We consider it really a solid part of our support 
space. We need prayer for our marriage. We need prayer for relationships. We need wisdom. Bob, how can we pray for the people group that you work among? And again, for our listeners who are just joining us for security reasons, we're not saying a lot of details about this people group. Uh, It is in Central Asia. But how can we pray for them? And I think especially for the Christians among them, because this is a place where Christians are persecuted. Yeah, there's a lot of hopelessness there. So, you know, we often just pray, God, bring hope, bring a light somewhere in their life that they can say this is worth staying around for. Because when you become hopeless, you turn to a lot of different things for ease and release. And and all those things are, are apparent there. So pray that God would bring hope and, and laborers. I mean, we're there, we're there to bring doctrine and teaching, um, not so much to benefit them, although we want to benefit them, but our greatest desire is that they teach others and that we can replicate the discipling process there. So we don't just teach them the Bible, we teach them how to read the Bible and understand the Bible correctly. It's, pray the Father draws them. Pray yeah. the Father draws them. Do you hear the stories that we hear in other parts of the Muslim world of the Father drawing them in in really supernatural ways, dreams, visions, miracles, those kind of things. Is that is that a common thing that you hear about? Yeah, very common. At first, it was a little unsettling for us, but how can you deny God's work in these people's lives? You hear these miraculous things over and over and over again, and God is doing an amazing work. Can you give me an example without, uh, I know, without breaking security? Can you give me an example? We have had one young man that he saw a vision of Jesus several times in a row. And he began to think, I'm, I'm going to come with you. I'm going to come with Jesus. And, and so he would pray, and he would pray to Jesus for the first time in his life and then be stricken with such fear and anxiety in his heart that he had just crossed a line that then he would fall on his face and begin weeping and repenting of just praying to Jesus because he was so afraid that the God of his previous religion would kill him for that. And he tells the story how this went on for weeks and months and occasionally Jesus would visit him again. And I just see the great lengths that the Lord went to to touch his heart and to bring him to him. So, yeah, you know, we hear about these things in America. We go, yeah, right, you know. (laughs) This is what Jesus is doing in a country we can't get into. Right. He's going in. But, and I've often said to myself, if the doors ever go open, we better not be standing outside, you know, because he's in there working. If the doors go open, we as Christians better be ready to rush in. Bob and Casey, thank you for your ministry uh, you you communicate your hearts very well for what God is doing in that place. And uh, like I say, I hope this is a challenge to some of our listeners who are, are in that second half and they're saying, God, could you use me? Maybe you want to send me someplace. We have amazing resources in America. We have amazing wealth compared to the rest of the world. In many cases, it's cheaper to retire in another country than it is to retire here. So your expenses might go down and your ministry might go up, which would be a good trade-off. So Bob and Casey, thank you very much for being our guests on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure to be here. Bob and Casey have been showing us how fulfilling it is to give up a life of relative comfort and ease to embrace a much grander calling. 
the calling to take the gospel to places where Jesus' name is not widely known. I want you to get to know another family that answered that call. Hanalee Gronwald and her family left their comfortable home in South Africa and followed the Lord's call to the front lines of Afghanistan. You need to hear what happened next to them, what their obedience cost. Their story will encourage you to live a life of complete surrender to the Lord. Voice of the Martyrs has created a video for this year's International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church telling the Gronwald story. It includes interviews and reenactments that will give you an idea of what they experienced in Afghanistan and help you better understand what God is doing in that nation. We want you to see this story. We want you to be encouraged by their testimony. We're offering the video on DVD for free. You can also download the video for free on our website. If you'll visit vomradio.net, we will connect you both to the download and to the free DVD. This is the video that was created for the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church this year. So I hope that you and your family will get a hold of this video, watch it together, share it with your Sunday school class, share it with your pastor, share it with your entire church to be encouraged by this story. And then I hope you'll join believers around the world. The first Sunday in November is designated the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. You know, as I travel around the world and I meet with persecuted believers, I ask them, how can we help you? You know, I say, hey, I'm going back to America. I'm going to be on the radio. I'm going to talk about your story. How can American Christians help you? The first request that they have every single time that I've asked that question is they ask us to pray for them. And the challenging thing to me is that their number one prayer request is not, you know, pray that our suffering will stop. Pray that our country will be free. Pray that nobody will be put in jail anymore. Their number one prayer request is pray that we will be faithful to Christ in spite of our suffering. That's a really challenging thing to me. We can be praying for these believers to be encouraged and strengthened in the Lord. We can be praying that their lives will show a powerful testimony of who Jesus is. We can be praying for God's protection over them. And we also want to follow Christ's call and pray for the persecutors as well. Pray that they will come to know Jesus in a personal way. I want you to get more information about the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And if your home church isn't participating, get that information and share it with your pastor. Talk to your leaders at your church about making your church a part of the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Again, our website is vomradio.net, and we will connect you to the information and to the video for the International Day of Prayer. I told you about Hanalee Gronwald, who moved with her family to the danger zones of Afghanistan. We're going to have Hanalee with us next week here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. And as we close out today, I want to share just a little bit of her testimony to kind of whet your appetite for what she's going to share with us next week. How God is faithful, even in the midst of incredible loss. The moment you get on the airport and you board for Afghanistan from Dubai airport, everything changes. I remember about a month before the attack, it was all these attacks by ISIS in Iraq. And I told Vanna, you know, I know, I don't have enough faith. What if Taliban storms into our house and, and wants to kill us or do something bad? 
I don't have enough faith. And I think God prepared me because for that month or two months before the attack, I was on my knees before God in the mornings during my quiet time and I was begging for more faith. It was not my day to work at the clinic that day. I usually worked on a Wednesday, but the Wednesday they called me and they said, you know, we, we suspect there's going to be an attack in Kabul on Saturday and we want you to be one of the medical staff present during a UN meeting in one of the hotels. And I did not realize that that attack was actually going to happen in our house that afternoon. I know you're going to want to be back with us next week to hear more from Hannah Lee Gronwald right here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.